0: Let me pray for us as we hear God's word. Let's pray. Father God, is so good to gather together in your name, in your church, as we listen to your word, kids talk, sing sing songs to and praises to you. Thank you for being in our midst. We pray that as we open your word, give us hearts to hear you, and ears to listen to your word. Pray for Dave as we bring bring us your message, that we reflect on the days that you were with us, teaching us in the synagogues, as if you are here with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today's Bible reading is from John chapter 10, verse 22 to 42. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good works, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you... A mere man com- claimed claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped from their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true, and in that place many believed in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Have you ever wondered why more people aren't Christians? Why don't more people believe in Jesus? If God is all-knowing, if he's all-powerful, if he's all-good, and if God has clearly spoken, then why don't more people believe? Why don't all people believe everywhere? Why is there hostility against God? You know, we might hear people say that, oh, if only God was clearer, well, then I would believe, more people would believe. Or as the English poet Percy Shelley said in 1811, he said in his essay on the necessity of atheism, so I'm sure you can guess where, what he thinks, but he said this, If he that is God has spoken, why is the universe not convinced? You see, in his mind, the reason there aren't more Christians, the reason the universe isn't convinced is because there is no evidence for it. It's all make-believe. If God was real and has spoken, then everyone would be convinced and everyone would believe. And so God can't be real, thinks Percy. And when people challenge the faith like this, and we may not see people become Christians, we might wonder, has Jesus' mission failed? Was it a flop? Why aren't more people Christians today? Well, our passage this morning uh, looks at exactly that. As Jesus declares that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, uh, it is received in two ways. In some, it is challenged and rejected, and yet for others, they believe. Well, just before that, we see in verse uh, 22 that the festival of dedication was on. Uh, It's known as uh, uh, Hanukkah. Uh, today uh it's it 's celebrated in 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 december so so there winter and the thing to notice about this festival is that you just won 't find it in the old testament it's it 's not there you, you won 't find a cross reference for it and so here 's the brief brief i 'll keep a brief history lesson for this morning uh, brief brief all right so in in one hundred and sixty seven b c uh, there was this emperor and he erected this this temple altar to Zeus in the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to have this uniform worship of, of Zeus across his empire. And so as a result, he desecrated the, uh, the temple in Jerusalem. And the Jews, well, they were outraged by this. And so this guy, Judas, uh, Maccabees, I've got a, I've got a picture there, I think, uh, if it's, uh, if it's coming up. Oh, maybe I don't. Oh, there it is. There he is. Uh, he led this successful revolt against uh, the empire. And, and he, re- and he removed and he destroyed this altar to Zeus and, and the temple was reconsecrated. Uh, his heroic leadership led this revolt and gave the Jews religious freedom once more, that they could worship God properly again. And so this festival was was partly a, a reminder and a dedication of, of, of this celebration of what he had done. And so as his festival's on, well, well, Jesus, he's walking through the temple, and the Jews, what do they do? Well, well they surround him. Did you notice that? Kind of like a, like a pack of wolves ready to pounce. And they ask him in verse 24, follow, follow along from there. They ask, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. You see, they want it plain and clear. Jesus, are you the Messiah? And it might be worth remembering at this point that what they expect from the Messiah, you see, in their head, this is what they're thinking, that the Messiah will come with with political and military might, uh, that he will come and, overthrow and defeat the Romans who are currently ruling over them. Kind of a bit like we saw with with Judas Maccabees in the revolt that he led. They, They expect this Messiah to come and lead this revolt and usher in the new age of the kingdom. And so they asked Jesus, don't delay, you haven't been clear, tell us plain and true, are you the Messiah? But you see, The reality is they'd already made up their minds about Jesus. And so their question isn't legitimate, really. They they really have this undercurrent of of hostility towards him. It's not a a genuine inquiry. You see, they're just looking for more evidence to accuse him than recognize him as the Messiah. Well, the first of those uh, titles is Jesus, uh, the Messiah. But the Jews, they reject the evidence And ask, tell us plainly. But Jesus says to them, verse 25, have a look there. I did tell you, but you did not believe. You see, Jesus' words that have come out of his mouth have shown that he is the Messiah. He is God's promised future king, but they reject the evidence. You see, Jesus has again and again told them that he is the one who has been sent by his Father in heaven, that he's come from heaven. And, and all those I am statements that we've seen, they communicate his identity as well. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd and the others. Each of those highlighting different aspects, but really pointing to his identity as the Messiah. Uh, when I uh, first met Emily, uh, my wife, uh, I told her that my parents were deaf and she just didn't believe me. She just couldn't compute in her mind that someone like me who can talk well and communicate and, and that kind of stuff was like, man, that doesn't work. Surely a, a kid that's got deaf parents wouldn't be able to do that very well. It just didn't fit in her mind what a person that had a deaf parent would look like. Despite anything I told her, I showed her that so she just would not believe me. And it wasn't until she met one of my parents and saw my hands flapping about as I spoke with them I do that anyway but as I was uh as I was talking to them that that she believed she believed me that my parents were deaf you see the jews despite the evidence that they've seen and heard from his mouth despite the words jesus has spoken the jews do not believe but you see it's not just the words they've rejected it's the Works as well. Have a look there from verse twenty five. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe. You see, Jesus has been doing these amazing, incredible things. Uh, and and it really should have reminded them of what Isaiah, the prophet said 800 years earlier. Now, I've pointed to this passage uh, lots and lots, but, but it's a great passage that, that pointed to the idea of, of what the Messiah would do when he came. So Isaiah uh, chapter 35 says this, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Uh, you see, They'd seen Jesus do these things. And, and that's exactly what Jesus had done uh, before them. And we've seen it too as we've kind of followed along. The story we saw in chapter 5 that, that the paralyzed man, the man lame who couldn't work for, walk for 38 years, well, he leaps up and he walks. In chapter 9, we saw the man born blind receive his sight. And next week in chapter 11, we will see Lazarus the dead man raised to life. You see, these incredible signs, these incredible works that Jesus has done before them, they are the evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus shows that he does things that only God can do. You see, Jesus acts with with creative power by doing things that, that, that no doctor could ever do. He is God in the flesh before them. He is the Messiah, God's promised future king. And his works show that to be true. But despite the evidence, they don't believe. And Jesus tells us why they don't believe. And it's because they're not his sheep. They are not his sheep. Last week we saw that Jesus is the the good shepherd and they know his voice and they follow him. And the contrast is clear, isn't it? Those who are his sheep, they listen and they follow the shepherd. But those who don't, uh, who don't believe, well they're not the sheep and they don't listen and they don't follow the shepherd. And so the question, why don't more people believe? Why do people reject the evidence despite the same things happening between both groups? Well, it's because they're not his sheep and they will not listen to his voice. And I can speak from experience from the conversations I've had over the years as I speak to to unbelievers uh, about Jesus. I can clearly uh, articulate and clearly explain uh, the good news of, of of the gospel, of of faith in, in Jesus, and yet people will respond in different ways. And I can think of myself on the way that I may may think I've oh, I've explained that really well, and and have not believed. Or other times where I've I've explained stuff, and I think I've done a really poor job. I've gone, oh man, I should have said that and this and that. And yet, in God's kindness, the the poorer conversations I've had, God's used to see people come to know and trust Jesus. Uh, I think of my father so, so recently uh, when he came to faith. I thought I'd done a terrible job. And yet as we speak of Jesus, we do so not knowing whether someone is his sheep or not. But we do so prayerfully and intentionally because we don't know God God will use our words, whether whether good words or, or, or not, to lead people to faith. And so we don't know that someone is a sheep until they profess that Jesus is Lord. And so let's keep on speaking about Jesus to the world around us who so need him that his sheep may be known. And so maybe the next conversation that we have with someone, we might need to ask them, why don't they believe? Why don't they believe? Have they had a chance to examine the evidence for themselves? Or do they base their their knowledge of 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 God on a on an SBS documentary or or a YouTube video or or a blog post? And you could offer to read the evidence with them. You could read John's Gospel. I've I've loved reading through God John's Gospel this year with you guys. And and that would be a great book to, to, to read with someone. But we've got to pray. We need to pray that God would be working in their lives that they may come to belief. Well, some will reject Jesus, and yet others will listen to his voice and believe. They are his sheep. And Jesus tells us here some, some really wonderful, wonderful privileges we have if we are sheep if we are his sheep. And the first great privilege is that we are a summoned people. Have a look there from verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. As as sheep, we've heard Jesus' voice and and we've come to believe and trust him. You see, we aren't these privileged people because of because of some great thing that we have done in the past or, or now. We're not, we don't have this great privilege because we've had the privilege of, of growing up as, as Christians, as, as children, that we've always been part of the church. That's not why. And it's not because we've been generous or, or kind. That's, that's not the reason. Or because we haven't murdered someone. No, 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 no. We receive this great privilege because of God's grace to us as he gives us his undeserved gift, that as we heard the good news of Jesus, we believed. That as we heard of of our evil hearts and the way that we rebel against God, that we deserve his judgment and condemnation. As we learn of the forgiveness that is ours through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that is the hope we have. And as God worked in our hearts that we could believe this truth? Well, that is God's mercy. And that is a wonderful thing. That is totally God's work. But he also brings us into a new relationship with him. And see, that new relationship leads us to a new life and a new lifestyle. It's kind of like a child who is adopted into a new family. You see, they leave their, their old life in, in the past and they live a new, different life than the one they did. They, they don't go back to live that old life anymore. They, they are part of a new family. And it's the same for us. We have a new life as believers in Jesus and so we live for him now. And our faith is seen in our obedience to and uh, trust of him. You see, it is the one who truly obeys that truly believes. Only the one who truly obeys truly believes. We are a summoned people. Next, we are a gifted people. Have a look there from verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish we are gifted with eternal life faith in jesus well that leads to eternal life life with god in heaven forever and it will be such a good and wonderful amazing place all the pain and sorrow and awfulness of this world won't be there death won't be a problem anymore because because we won't belong to this passing world anymore that is under the power of the evil one who tempts us to, to reject and disobey God because we have the promise. We have been given this gift of eternal life. We will not perish in him. We are a gifted people. And finally, we are a secure people. Have a look there from verse 28. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. We are a secure people. We are Christ's possession. He has committed himself to us, not based on how well we commit to him or how well we cling to him. He will hold us tight. Despite the doubts we may have, despite our sin, despite the struggles we go through, you see, Jesus and His Father—they they hold us and they bring us to glory. I wonder if you've ever put a coin into your hand, close it up, and said to a child, "Try and get the coin out of your hand, out of my hand." It's a pretty fun game to play because you know they work really hard. They use all their strength to kind of get one finger up, and like. Phew. Oh, they're, they're really puffed. And then they, they, they leave that finger then to move to the next finger. And, you you know, you can be kind, to just kind of leave that finger up. But the reality is you can just kind of go back down. and they, they, they can't, particularly how small they are, get that coin out of your hand. But see, if this bloke, the world's strongest man, oh, is, there a, is there another? Yeah, if this bloke plays that game with you, well, he's just going to snap your fingers to snatch the coin out of your hand, isn't he? But you see, our Father in heaven who created all things by the power of his word, God Almighty, he holds us in his hand. We are secure in him. We, nothing can snatch us out. We are protected by him. That world's strongest man, he couldn't even lift a little finger of God. We are safely Secure in God's hand. And you know, this is a great comfort for us in times of doubt, where we struggle uh, in our Christian walk. We are safely and secure in our Father's hand. Be comforted by this, know this truth. Keep living for Jesus through those doubts, looking to Him, knowing that He provides that security. Because no one else can provide it. You see, the Father's secure protection over us is a great comfort through through hardships and struggles, whether here at church, in our family life, at work, you see, God has us in his hands, he loves us, he cares for us, he protects us, he will bring us to glory. We are a secure group. As sheep, we have recognized that Jesus is the Messiah and have been given these amazing, wonderful privileges. But for those who reject Jesus, well, they show that they aren't his sheep. Well, the first thing was that Jesus was the Messiah. The second is Jesus is the Son of God. Well, after the Jews hear Jesus' response to their questions of whether he's the Messiah. They pick up stones to kill him. But Jesus asks in verse 32, have a a look there. Jesus asks them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Oh, we're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God and you know they're right the punishment for blasphemy or for claiming to be God like this well well it was stoning if it was true but it's not the Jews want to stone Jesus to death because he in their mind is just a man who dares make himself equal with God And in response to their charge, Jesus appeals to the scriptures, to to the law. Now follow along there from verse uh, 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and, and scripture cannot be set aside, cannot be broken, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world. Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said I am God's son. Let me let me let me explain the kind of the argument and kind of the point that Jesus is making here. The Jews they are they are angry uh, that Jesus refers to him as a, as the son of God, but Jesus maintains that true that is true by quoting Psalm eighty six verse six. Uh, that, uh, that might be up on the screen. Uh, and Jesus reminds them that the scriptures, the very Bible that they, that they love, use the word gods for people, for, for wicked kings or judges or magistrates or, or some governing authorities. Now, it might trouble you to think, oh, it uses the word gods? What, what, the Bible uses that word? What do you mean? Uh, but at that point,. The one who is speaking in the psalm is actually God himself. God himself uses that word. And he kind of does it with a bit of tongue in cheek. It's a bit of of sarcasm. It's kind of like God is saying to them, look, I know that you're so important like God's among the people, but you will die just like everyone else. And so Jesus isn't using this reference to, to prove his divinity, but he's kind of using it to show their blindness and their folly. Like, you're, like he's saying, you're so hung up on this, this word, God. But the very scriptures which you love and, and uphold, well, men are described as gods there. You better find better evidence than that. And so Jesus argues that if, if mere men are given this title of, of God in Scripture, then it can hardly be too exalted of a title for, for Jesus, the one that the Father has sent from heaven, the one that the Father has, has set apart to, to save and rescue and, and bring salvation to his people. He is the one, the word become flesh who dwelt among, he is the very son of God. And so the problem for the Jews was that they were unable to budge on on their understanding of what God was like. They couldn't accept that, that Jesus broke their mold and their understanding. They couldn't accept that they were wrong. And so, despite the evidence, despite what Jesus had said, and despite the actions, the works he had done, well, they, they rejected all. Even though Jesus did things that only God himself could do with the creative power he had, they rejected all, and they reject Jesus, the, the Messiah, the Son of God. And so they try to seize him. But Jesus escapes. And the way Jesus is treated here by his own people, his calm among his own may cause us to wonder has Jesus' mission failed? Even his very own people have rejected him. But as we see in verse thirty five, Scripture cannot be broken, it cannot be set aside. You see the word of God can't be broken what God's word says, must and will take place. And the reality is that the way that he has been treated is a fulfillment of scripture. We see that he would be despised and rejected, that he would be the stone that the builders reject but becomes the precious cornerstone to God. We may And there are many other places uh, that say stuff as well. We may look at that situation and think that Jesus' mission has failed. But you know it hasn't failed. It is all part of God's plan. And Jesus entrusts himself to God and his word. Despite the circumstances, he remains obedient to the Father, trusting him and his word. And not the demands of those around him, because the Father and He are one. And you know what's the same for us too? Where do we look for meaning in this world? How do we explain the hostility we face as, as Christians in this day, or the things that we see on the on the news or social media, like the backlash that Israel philora seed for, for quoting the Bible? or when the world celebrates things that are contrary to, to, to God's word, like we saw in the, in the postal vote or, or euthanasia, where do we seek meaning to these things? Do we think that God has failed because this world is against him? Do we flick on the news? Do we look to the, to the social commentators and influencers of our day to seek meaning of what's going on, who tell us that their love is love and the times have changed and so must we? who tell us that the church is in decline and so we must move on from God. We don't need him like we may have done in the past. Do we seek to explain the meaning of these things and the way the society around us explains things? Do we seek meaning from them? Do we let them shape our understanding of what is going on in this world? Or do we turn to trust God and his word, remembering that his word will not fail, Remembering the promises that He's made, that His word cannot be broken. Who's shown us that salvation comes through Jesus? Who showed us that He would He would die and rise, and as we saw that is that happened, that He promised us eternal life. Who has told us to expect persecution and hardship for being Christians as we await for Jesus to return, who has promised that when he returns, he will bring us to glory with him. That is our hope. That is the ultimate outcome of of where things are going. And so just like Jesus, we need to entrust ourselves to, to God, his word, despite the uncertain times we live in. Because just like Jesus, he knew, and knew that God was in complete control and will bring about His ultimate outcome, and entrusted Himself to the Father and His Word. Well, we must do the same. Well, things are looking pretty shaky for uh, for Jesus. People were seeking his death. They rejected that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. It seemed like his mission had failed. And so Jesus leaves Jerusalem. And what follows really might seem out of the blue, unexpected. As a group of people follow the evidence and belief. Have a look there from verse 40. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. What an incredible contrast to what we've just seen. No opposition, no hostility, just people who follow the evidence and believe. Absolutely incredible. You see, John the Baptist, we saw in chapter 1, uh, many years earlier he declared all these things about Jesus he said that Jesus was the anointed one with God's spirit that he was God's chosen one that that John was unworthy to untie his sandals that that the lamb, that he was the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world who would baptize people with the holy spirit John said all these things about Jesus and although some of these things haven't happened just yet as John faithfully and, and, and clearly proclaim these truths as he bore witness to these things about Jesus, well, as people met Jesus, they believed. You see, John's witness uh, was confirmed as people met Jesus and they believed. You see, these people who get a brief mention here, they, they are our models who engage and follow the evidence and see Jesus for who he is, and they believe. And I think it's intentional that that we kind of see these two responses to Jesus being right next to each other. You see, in both groups, we see two different peoples and two different responses to, to people engaging with the evidence, while some will reject the evidence. Jesus' mission hasn't failed Because others, they follow the evidence and they see Jesus for who he is. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He is God in the flesh before them. The one who bridges the gap between God and man. And so that is what we will experience as we live out our days on this earth, waiting for our Lord Jesus to return. Some will want to believe, will follow the evidence. Seeing that Jesus is is plain and clear, who put their trust in him, who show that they are his sheep. And yet others will deny and reject Jesus. You see, God's mission hasn't failed. God speaks clearly in his words of the identity of Jesus. He's the one who saves and rescues us and gives us these many, many wonderful, great privileges. And so let's live as obedient sheep as we await the promise, promised return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we give you abundant thanks for our Lord Jesus Christ. We give you great thanks that in his actions and in his words as we're followed along through John's Gospel, that he has clearly displayed that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. He is the promised one who has been sent to save and to rescue us. We thank you for your kindness in saving us and bringing us from, from darkness into your wonderful light and revealing that truth to us. And we thank you for all these many wonderful privileges we have in being your children. Most particularly we pray, particularly in the uneasiness of of the world we live in, that you hold us secure. Father, please comfort us with that truth uh, and reality, we pray. Particularly as we go through, through hard things and struggle, that we will remember that you hold us secure through to the end. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.